within a year, both revenues and margins were under severe pressure and there was a fall in earnings and eventually the stock halved. So I lost 50% before I finally sold out last year. So I held it for two years and lost 50%. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever, stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. My name is Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Investment Research, and I'm here with featured guest Venkatesh S. Venkatesh, are you ready to rock? Absolutely, Andrew. Looking forward to this. Let's do it. I'm going to introduce the audience to you. Venkatesh is an author speaker, investor, and entrepreneur, all in one. He has spent 22 years in the Asian markets in senior roles across listed equities with JP Morgan and Credit Suisse, private equity with Macquarie and AMP, and corporate strategy with Masan Group. He is the co-founder of strategy consulting firm Diana Partners and has served as director on the boards of several companies. He is also the author, get this listeners, to this, of the suspense thriller, Call Kut, The Lost Himalayan Secret, which has recently been a number one bestseller on Amazon. The link will be in the show notes. In the listed equity space, Venkatesh has held several Pan-Asia roles, including as head of India Equity Research at JP Morgan and sector head for the Asia metal team, Metals team at Credit Suisse and Deutsche Bank. He led the Credit Suisse Asian Metal Teams to number one position in the Institutional Investor Survey in 2002. At Macquarie, he was a senior member of the team investing and managing $1.2 billion worth of funds in the Indian infrastructure sector and was a director on the board and an investment committee member for the SBI Macquarie Infrastructure Fund. He led investments in Indian infrastructure assets at AMP, Capital Investors, and headed group strategy at Masan. <gasps> one of Vietnam's largest groups. That's a lot that you have done. So welcome to the show and just take a minute and fill in further tidbits about your life. Thank you, Andrew. And uh, thank you for the introduction. Obviously, we've talked about what I've done role-wise, but I think one most gratifying part of this journey for me has been just being able to do diverse things. So, you know, within the investment space, listed equities, unlisted equity, a little bit of venture capital, and also work for a large corporate. At a personal level too, you know, this whole journey of writing Karl Kut, The Lost Himalayan Secret has been an interesting one because it's completely removed from the whole investment world. And yet there's some parts of what I learned, which I was able to use while writing the book. That is cool. And I'm going to ask you one of the questions about, about writing the book is how did you find the time? Did you, are you a morning person, a night person? Did you do it regularly? Did you do an hour a day? Did you go away on weekends? How did you find the time? Yeah, so it was more like one hour a day. And a lot of the book actually got written on flights because business travel means that you spend a lot of time in airport lounges and on flights. And that's actually a great time to just shut all the noises off and just focus on doing what you love. Um, one other thing about books, I always, I've written four of them, though they're, they're smaller, I'm sure, than what you've done. But what I always say to people when they talk to me about writing books, I always say, hey, congratulations, you finished. Now you're 10% done because the other 90% is marketing it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I'm realizing that now as we speak, literally. Oh, yeah. Well, now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. Sure. So, you know, this was the year 2016. I was looking for a company that I could buy and hold for a long time. And there is this feeling of being enamored with 
companies that are quote unquote compounders, companies that you know you can just buy and forget and maybe go fishing or something. So there was this large Indian generic pharmaceutical company, one of the top three in India, one of the top 20 in the world, you know, sales over a billion and a half US dollars, market cap running into billions of dollars, good return on capital, great management, excellent track record, and has created wealth in the past. So it seemed to me like this would be that sort of investment. It was a bit on the expensive side. The PE was in the early 20s, if I remember, uh, one year forward. It was trading 25% lower than it was a year ago. So it seemed, everything seemed perfect. And I, and I bought the stock in 2016. So well, uh, to cut a long story short, the fundamentals changed and so did the sentiment. What changed was this. There was huge pricing pressure in the US market and prices actually started eroding by double digit numbers in that year. And this was the same time that there was a lot of customer consolidation happening. This was also the same time that the US government was taking a dim view of drug prices and was taking a rather dim view of products exported into the US. So somehow the regulatory regime became stricter and that eventually led to you know, stricter inspections and adverse alerts for this company like warning letters and so on for their facilities which were located in India. I think the mistake I made was this. I initially took the view that the pricing pressure would stabilize and it would revert to the historical trend. And I felt that, look, the company had things going for it, new product launches and so on. So hopefully it should stabilize. So I dismissed the market concerns. And maybe I was a tad lazy. Maybe I should have done more homework trying to talk to more people and figure out what was exactly happening. And the second thing was a bit about the U.S. government taking a dim view of you know, medicine prices and so on. I felt that was a sentiment thing which would blow over. So I held on to my position. Initially, nothing really showed up in the numbers, but within a year, both revenues and margins were under severe pressure and there was a fall in earnings and eventually the stock halved. So I lost 50% before I finally sold out last year. So I held it for two years and lost 50%. So that hurt. That would hurt anybody, particularly when you went into it thinking, I'm looking for a compounder, a long-term investment, you know, it's a safe business and all that. What lessons did you learn from this experience? Yeah, a number of them actually. So the way I see it is that the larger mistake was actually a number of smaller mistakes put together. So I think the first is the notion that you can buy stocks and forget about them. Investing is a lot of hard work and you need to stay on top of your stocks fundamentals all the time. So even if it seems like the safest company in the world, things can change very fast. I think that was the first you know, error I made going in. And the second was maybe to not having, you not having paid attention to the margin of safety in valuations. So, you know, there is this view going around and especially towards the top of a bull market, you begin to feel that if the stock is good, you can pay up for it and which might work for some time. But the problem with that is the expectations are so high that a small miss can mean that the stock corrects quite rapidly. And a mid-20s PE may look similar to history, but if the earnings halve, it suddenly looks really expensive. I think that was the second mistake, if I may say. And the third part, I think, is not course correcting. I probably dismissed market concerns. Maybe I should have done more work, looked at it closely to see if something was fundamentally really changing. And if I'd smelled the coffee, I would have realized that rather than holding it all the way down, it's better to you know, cut losses and get out of a position that, that has gone wrong. But by the time I finally did that and 
you know, thank God I did because I deployed the money elsewhere after that, but I was already down 50%. And how did you come to your final conclusion to get out at the point that it was down 50%? I think the first was getting beyond the denial phase and getting to acceptance. So accepting that the fundamentals had changed. So not anchoring to the old map you had. So the old map was, hey, this pricing pressure, et cetera, will stabilize and we'll go back to the way things were pre-2016. I think just realizing the world has changed for this company is important. Once I realized that and I realized, hey, you know, sure, maybe the stock could bounce back a little bit, but, you know, the thesis is completely changed and maybe I'd just be better off taking money off the table and putting it somewhere else where, you know, I have greater conviction and maybe a more long-term type conviction. And one last question before I go into some points that I see in it. One last question is when you came upon this idea of investing for the long run, were you just mainly looking for one or two companies or did you have diversification at that point? No, I did have diversification. And to be honest, in the last five years, I would say most of my portfolio is oriented towards these type of stocks. So I no longer invest in the hope of making a one or two year quick buck. So most of my stocks are, you know, things that I hopefully, if all plays out the way I think it should, I'm hoping to hold them for five or 10 years. So the big realization was in those five or 10 years, if something changes and your thesis itself is compromised, you need to exit. That, that was the big learning. Got it. All right. So let me summarize what I took away from the story. I want to highlight one thing, which is, you know, we have six common mistakes that I've seen through all the interviews that I've done. And one of yours that you highlighted very clearly was number five, and that is fail to monitor their investment. And the point is, is that, and for the listeners out there, you heard his bio. Venkatesh is an experienced investor. He's someone who knows the markets very well. And even, you know, no matter how much experience that we have, we make mistakes, we make wrong conclusions, we make judgments and all of that. And so I think that to me, that's a, that's a big, big lesson about it. The second part that I'd like to take from it is that when we invest, we sometimes like to think about reversion to the mean or reversion to the trend. You know, the, the amazing thing and the, the difficult thing about investing is sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> and you'll never truly know until after you have to make your conclusion of whether that's going to work or not. And I think the third thing that I take away is investing is hard. It's hard to know exactly what to do. When yeah. bad news comes out of a company and a stock goes down, you're like, I've done some work on this. I like the quality of this company and the management, but here we have some external factor that all of a sudden change things. That's one of my big takeaways is that I see a lot of people go into the stock market with no experience and they just start gambling. And I just think how hard investing is. So yeah. that, those would be my takeaways. Is there anything you'd add to that? No, absolutely. I completely agree with you. I think it's hard work. It's important to not get lazy and actually be on top of your investments all the time. Completely mm -hmm. agree. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's now bring it down to the actionable advice. Based on what you've learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? I would say be flexible about changing your map and work really hard to monitor your investment. It's a great way of referring to it changing the map because if the map has changed and you don't change the map, you're not going to get where you want to go. 
So I think that's, that's great. So last question, what's your number one goal for the next 12 months? Well, um, at Diana Partners, we are hoping to work with more clients and help them with their businesses and help them grow and help them restructure, grow, et cetera, whatever they want to do. I think just to be very customer focused and deliver to them. And at a personal level, I've written Carl Coot. I'm working on a second book hoping to improve and hone my craft as a writer. And uh, it's very gratifying when readers love the book. So I'm really hoping to deliver more of that. That's fantastic. That's exciting. And for listeners, I'm going to include the the link to the book on Amazon uh, in the show notes. So listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. To find more stories like this, previous episodes, and resources to help you reduce your risk, visit myworstinvestmentever.com. And as we end, Venkatesh, I want to thank you again for coming on this show. I know it's painful talking about our losers, but our listeners are learning to win as a result. Do you have any parting words for our audience? It's fine to make mistakes, but it's more important to realize when you made a mistake and to course correct. I think that's more important. It's been wonderful being on the show, Andrew. Thank you very much. Yes, I, I think that's, you know, it really is a great reminder that, and I, again, I come back to the map. I love that um, way of thinking about it. So ladies and gentlemen, you heard it and you've got it. And that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and most importantly, protect our wealth. Fellow risk takers, I'll see you on the upside.